This Tennis.com podcast is brought to you by ASICS. Sound mind, sound body. You're listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey folks, Tennis.com Podcast. I am Ed McGrogan here with Pete Bodo, Steve Tigner, who have been providing you with such breathtaking Brilliant coverage. Brilliant sword you're looking for. Yeah, just uh, some good stuff over the weekend. Madrid, it was obviously a really um, befitted the kind of Masters event that I, I guess they wanted to become. We've had a lot of good matches. The biggest one, of course, being Djokovic beating Nadal. His first win on clay over him in 10 tries. Hey, wait a second. Petra Kivitova. She wins a women's tournament, beats Azarenka, crushes Azarenka. This is a girl's like another Martina Navratilova. Big lefty, mm-hmm. hitting aces. What do you think, Steve? Did you watch some of that? I did. I don't even know what you're talking about, this, this other it. match, this Djokovic match. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, a good win for her. No, no doubt about it. We do see where uh, the tearing lays on the tours there. Um We'll get to that. We'll get to that. First, of course, this uh, this really stunning result, straight sets. Rafa's lost a couple times on clay over the past five years. Kind of a neat way to say he's lost like six matches in about five or six years or so. How is this loss different than those other ones? Because I think everyone kind of feels that way. You can just feel when one, you talk about it. I think diff- different feels different to me in that for the first time, I think, there's somebody who might actually be better on clay than Nadal. Federer beat um, Nadal a couple of times on clay, but I don't think there was a sense that here's a guy who's going to keep beating somebody, keep beating Nadal on clay, because Djokovic beat him not just by attacking, but by, but by outlasting, and this is the first time I've ever seen Nadal look like he was the one who wanted to shorten the points, which is, to me, that's something different, and it was a more of a comprehensive win by Djokovic than I'd ever seen him by anyone on clay over Nadal. Certainly the straight sets thing is, is a big one. And then, like you said, um, th- those previous losses, I, I recall, are all, um, there was Hamburg, there was Madrid by Federer. Those were, I know, after a string of events. This is the first time that Nadal and Djokovic entered the same clay tournament. And uh, you know, right off the bat, we got a really, the result that kind of, People may have expected down the road, but we got it to start mm-hmm. off here. I think um, you know it was kind of funny. I think I think Djokovic did to Nadal what Del Potro did to Federer at the U.S. Open in 2009, and there's a similarity there. Both of these guys play relatively flat compared to the certainly compared to Nadal. They get they, they get very good penetration. Uh, they have a way of making the court look a lot bigger on the other side of the net. They, they've got the Polonese guys all over getting in there deep, and I think with that backhand, the way the way Djokovic was hitting that backhand. Keeping pushing Nadal back, Nadal kept coming back with a forehand to the backhand, thinking, "Hey, you know, Roger eventually is going to shank one of these. He's always done that, so why doesn't this guy do it?" And he didn't. And that backhand was spectacular. In the, in the past, Djokovic has been able to do that early in matches, and Nadal will keep going back to that backhand and wear him down. Eventually, Djokovic will start to miss. It didn't happen this time. Djokovic is just maybe it's the fitness or the mentality or combination. He believes in his consistency now. I think even against Nadal and Clay. No, I mean, yeah, there's points I can remember from that final, not just one, but, you know, multiple points where Djokovic, especially with the cross court, um, you know, was made to hit it two or three times because of Nadal defense, and every time he put it pretty much exactly where he wanted to, 
Um, I think it one, as one of you put it last week, making the backhand look like a traditional forehand, like the go-to shot that isn't even a second mm-hmm. thought of. Yeah, he created points, created rallies with that shot rather than his forehand. He's always done that, but he, it was really noticeable yesterday. Yeah. Which is difficult because Del Potro's more of a forehand guy. You know, it's kind of funny. You look at those two, and again, I, I look at those two guys as very similar players in some ways, even though Djokovic moves a little better, directs the ball maybe a little bit better, but you know, Del Potro may have more power, but you know, it's uh, and it's about owning the baseline. It's about owning the baseline, getting yourself established there, and being a guy who's sort of dictates. It's true. We've talked about Del Potro as potentially the kryptonite for Nadal, the guy who had the game that could beat Nadal the same way Nadal could beat Federer, but maybe that guy is turning out to be Djokovic. Yeah. That one match, you were talking about thinking back to 09 U.S. Open final. I I, for, I got into my head actually at one point about the classic Wimbledon final with Nadal and Federer. Obviously, this match is not played in the same stakes. It doesn't have that that buildup of multiple grand semifinals against each other, but it, it just reminded me about how it seemed like the finally, finally Djokovic got his breakthrough on the surface that has traditionally been just utterly owned by someone. That was the case Federer back then too. So I think I, I don't think we can, you know, adjectives. Uh, it, it's worth kind of all the talk we're putting into it. This is a pretty shocking result. It's also more significant because this is the third straight Masters final where Djokovic has beaten the doll. That's you know, that counts for more. It's not a one-off. Hey, I think this is the biggest win in Djokovic's life. Ahead of the when you look at all When you look at all the mitigating, when you look at all the circumstances, you know, what, what it meant, who he was in against, what the issues were, what the pressures were, and stuff, by far to me the biggest, this is like the defining match for him. And I think you could say that on another level in that, um, you know, these two are the same age or just a couple months apart. The rivalry between these two, which has already been... I think over 25 matches already, something extraordinary. And this is going to play out probably for quite a few more years. I mean, maybe five or six more years. Both these guys are having 23, 24. So when you kind of get uh, you know, a result like this to really switch things up. It's, it's so they've been talking about Nadal as a go. So the Djokovic is the goal. Nadal's Nadal's finished. I've been getting a lot of angry emails. Now you're happy that are you? You must be really happy because you're so bored with Nadal's excellence. Oh God, it's terrible. Okay, let's hit that Kvitova really quickly. I know you're so hot on this. So, Pet, come on, Patrick Kvitova. I mean, she's. I mean, she, that win is is a good one in a way. She's a. She has the talent. She has the game to be a slam winner. She just hasn't had the consistency. She's still young. She's 20 or 21. But I think this is a more. This is a a sign that she really could. It's not just a, a sort of a random result. Maybe you would say that Julia Gurgis' win was a, was a little bit was a little bit of a random result. But I don't think this is going forward. And she has a few titles this year, and obviously this French Open field this year is totally wide open. I think everyone would say on the women's side. And you know what I really liked about it was the way Azarenka hung in there pretty well in that first set. And usually with a with a, with a serve and volley, big big aggressive type attacking type player off. And if you sort of weather their best stuff, they can lose it a little, a little bit. Martina Navratilova was that way. I, I sort of made the comparison half in jest, but there, there are some real points comparison there. And, you know, she hung in there, though. Azarenka played well. Alcavita hung in there, kept plugging away, got that, got it done. That's Madrid, Rome, after the break. The longest professional tennis match lasted 11 hours, 5 minutes, and took more than 3 days to finish. During the match, there were 980 total points played, 138 games, 2,189 strokes, and 489 backhands. And combined, the players spent over 11 hours on their feet. 
Just imagine how much longer they could have gone if they were wearing the ASICS Gel Resolution 3. With a Flexion Fit Upper for extra stability, it's engineered to go deep into the fifth set. ASICS. Sound mind, sound body. Okay, quick turnaround as usual on the tours. Right to Rome. They're already in there. couple results already in. Andy Roddick out first round. Surprise, he, surprise. He was out before I woke up today, just about. Mm-hmm. Um, we before had, you woke up today, probably. Out to yeah. <laughs> Gilles Simon, who is a good player and a good clay court player. Yeah, tough one. Tough first round. We have the always uncommon double pullout. Kane Shikori and Monfils pulling out. I think I read somewhere with... Illness and kidney stones. Kidney stones and a cheese, cheese um, uh, allergy. Cheese yes. allergies. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I've original. never had kidney stones, but I tell you, people who've had them, they are awful. Apparently, <laughs> it's horrible pain. I really so. thought you were going to go into the cheese allergy. <laughs> so now, I'm, I'm, I, wait, who was who was the uh, poor K? Was it Monfils with the with the kidney stones? Monfils was the fromage. Oh, fromage. Yeah. yeah. A Frenchman allergic oh, yeah, to I cheese. Jeez. Yeah, I know. So. Keeping that out of the way, I, I don't think any of those gentlemen would have impacted, I think, the main stories of what could happen. But this is an event that's played immediately after you know a long one here where the top guys have been playing four or five matches in a row. Uh, what do you suspect out of Rome this week? Do you think it's kind of going to be the same as we've seen these other Masters events where the top is going to rise to the last weekend, or do you see maybe an early exit it's for one of the to say, guys? I, I, you know... Looking, I was looking at the draw, and it just after watching Djokovic play Nadal, like there's no way I could pick against him. But at the same time, he he almost was out against Bellucci in the semis. So, so um, it's not like he's completely invincible, despite the way he looked in the final. But I still have him. I still have him going through. He would play Soderling in the in the quarters. That's potentially an upset um, in in the making there. I actually see somebody like Soderling winning this tournament. Uh, you know, I don't know. Call me crazy, but to me, it was sort of all about Madrid because you obviously had these guys coming back. You had Nadal back and Federer back, and Djokovic. You know, after the Serbian Open small event, and now, so you had a chance of Djokovic playing Nadal in that final. And now, you know, it's kind of a shame for them to go right into another big Masters event. I know they can't. You know, well, I guess you know they could do something about the calendar, I suppose but they don't feel like they, they really can balance all the conflicting desires and needs and rights. But, you know, I mean, I just don't think they ought to roll right. I mean, especially roll right into it the way they are, you know. And now these guys like Nadal, those guys are looking at another four or five match streak, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday match. I mean, I don't think the, I don't think the result should the top guys get late in the term. I don't think the result is going to be very meaningful. It's a tough um, – they've been tinkering with this part of the schedule for the last few years. This is the first time they've done it this way with Madrid first and Rome second. Maybe ideally – you would get a week in between them. We'll see if they can, you know, wait. We'll see if they can pull this off. This is the first time for this for this schedule. Yeah, we were talking about that before you and I. Just you know, to give the week off. Obviously, a number of other dominoes fall that kind of interrupt the schedule. And we we're thinking back to like the other Masters events, which are almost all back to back throughout the year. And and how we were saying like ones like Indian Wells in Miami. That's sort of we don't maybe hear as much about that because there's not a major tournament that immediately follows them. like And very little before it in terms of having yeah. the top guys play each other. So The last one of these is always seems to be overkill. It used to be Hamburg. That was overkill. Then it was Madrid. That was overkill. Now it's going to be Rome. It's always that third one that seems like so they're all it's sharing. too yeah. much. But yeah. Nadal usually comes through in these tournaments. He's won a lot of these. These ones that you thought where he, where he might you know, not win. He'll have real incentive to win this one. I was wondering if Djokovic would would have even considered pulling out of here, considering he played Serbia the week before he won yeah. this one. But I don't think the people at Sergio Tacchini would like that too much. That's true. You it? also wonder whether he's better off losing a match and starting Roland Garros fresh without the streak. But I don't, 
I don't think so. I think he wants to keep that that invincible sort of aura going as as long as he can. Best comment I heard somebody commented at my um, web blog that uh, Djokovic looked like the looked like the FedEx delivery man <laughs> in that brown outfit, yeah. <laughs> all black and white shoes. Kind yeah. of a little strange motif there. That's all for today, and we will talk next week after Rome, uh, and which pretty much segues right into the French Open. So you know where to hear it first. Thanks for listening. Adios. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 